Matthew 24, verse 10. And it says, And then they will hand you over for persecution, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. That's the name of Jesus. Then many will take offense, betray one another, and hate one another. hate that. You know, offense is one of the most relationally destructive um, kind of forces uh, in our lives. I'm sure we could all think of a time where maybe we've offended somebody else or we've been offended. Someone Has anyone here ever been offended before? Yeah? Yep. It's all, yes. It's there. So getting offended is something that if we're not aware of it, we can start to think that it's almost a natural kind of process in our life, that somebody behaves in a particular way. Well, and naturally, because they're behaving in an offensive way, then it's natural for me to be offended by their behavior. But like any response that we have internally, there's a choice that's connected to that. So offense is a choice. It's an internal response to an external situation. It's something that happens in our heart that we may not even be aware of. So often what happens is somebody behaves in a particular way, I get offended by them, and I project all of the reasoning for my offense onto their behavior. And I kind of disregard the whole reason as to why I'm being offended and getting offended with their behavior. So from my experience in just in pastoring people and journeying with people, um, I've found that a lot of people talk about offense like it's not even really an issue. It's just kind of part of life, something you should expect. You should expect to be offended, so you just kind of get on with it. And, but if you get offended, then you should speak the truth in love and deal with that person because their behavior is offensive. Correct? But the problem is with offense and what is offending and offendable is that Everyone has a different kind of measure as to what is offensive. One person can hear a joke and find it hilariously funny. Somebody else hears that same joke and is like, is shocked and and offended by what's spoken in the joke. So there is, you know, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to circumstances in life, there's not a kind of black and white line. It's really dependent upon us. So really it says that each individual determines what happens when it comes to offense. Offense is often seen as the natural consequence of someone else's behavior. The blame gets put onto others as to why we are offended. Others offend us. They are the ones causing the offense, and we are simply the recipients of their offending words or behavior. Sound familiar? One person. But I want to present to you that in the kingdom of God, Offense is not an acceptable response to someone else's behavior. Offense is an unhealthy and potentially sinful response in our heart towards somebody else's behavior, their words or actions. And the reason why I say it's not acceptable in the kingdom is because we don't find it in Jesus. So if it's not in Jesus, but it is in me, then it shouldn't be in me. That's, that's kind of my broad line for life. If I want to know whether something's okay, look at Jesus. He is the exact imprint of the Father's nature as well. So it's the Father's heart. He does not have an offendable heart. Now, God has emotions and God has what we might consider negative emotions. He has anger, you know, all of those sorts of things. But there's no offense in that. The way of Christ is to live as an unoffendable people. And this starts by taking responsibility for our sinful response to someone else's behavior. A core part of being a disciple of Jesus, becoming a responsible person, response-able. I determine the response that I have to life. I determine the response that I have to someone else's behavior. I determine the response I have to the circumstance that I find myself in. We sang this morning, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. So what does that mean? I'm not a slave anymore to the emotion even of fear. Now that doesn't mean I will never have fear, but when fear comes, I'm no longer a slave to that. I don't have to do what it says. But fear is again one of the things, well I'm scared so I'll naturally act in a particular way. Yes, or you can act in a very, in the opposite to that particular way. When we talk about fear, you know, there's fight and flight, fright. Is there another one? Freeze, yep. 
So we have response to circumstance, but then everyone's different. In a situation of fear, in a situation of trauma, people respond differently to that. But the idea of being a follower of Jesus is to be free, and it means we have to be free in our responses. Otherwise, I'm enslaved to something in my heart. And I'm enslaved to behave in a particular way, and that is not freedom. Matthew 7, 1 to 5 says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, there's a log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So sometimes in relationship with people, we can see things in others that causes offense in our heart. When we get offended, though, we lose the capacity to rightfully and lovingly and truthfully speak to the other person about their issue. We become blinded by our own offense and we forget about the fact that there's a big log in our own eye or in our own heart. If you get the speck of dust in your eye, although irritating and sometimes painful, you can kind of still see. You can see past a speck. You can't see past the log. And that's what offense does. It blinds us to our capacity even to rightly respond to another person. To rightfully even point out where somebody might be behaving in an offensive way. People are going to be offendable around you. You're going to come across people that are offensive. And they might have the, the agenda to be offensive. They're trying to stir you up. But you determine how you respond to that person. If I was just say I was sitting in a restaurant, somebody comes past and says something, you know, offensive about my wife, I have a choice as to how I respond to that situation. So the first thought that goes through my head is, you know. But I have a choice there as to how do I respond. Well, do I respond to just saying, just ignoring that person? Do I have a choice? Do I respond in, in getting up and you know, punching them in the face. Like, I have a choice as to what I do there, but ultimately, offense is going to determine whether that choice is righteous or unrighteous. We can become blinded to our own issues, and this can also become a motivation to speak to the other person about what we see in them. If I have an offendable heart and someone behaves in a particular way, I can therefore be offended by their actions, but then that becomes the motivation to talk to them. It's not love, it's not concern for their character, it's concern for me because I don't like how you made me feel. We can feel maybe compelled to speak to somebody about the issue but only because the offense in our hearts is compelling us. There is a sense of injustice that their behavior is wrong and it's causing me to feel uncomfortable or in pain. If our hearts were unoffendable, then their actions wouldn't cause us to react in the same way. We're able to see the issue clearly and speak truth and life into the situation without our words and motivations being tainted by the unrighteousness in our own hearts. There's that scripture, speak the truth in love. Our only ability to truly speak truth and to truly love well is to be free in our own hearts from the other person's behavior and how they are affecting us. No? All right, anyone? And the fact is God places us in community to stir up the brokenness in our hearts, the unrighteous errors of our lives, our insecurities. And he does it in order to bring healing and freedom to you. If you're around a group of people that drive you crazy, it's because God wants to set you free from other people's ability to drive you crazy. He wants to bring freedom and restoration to our lives and relationships. So what is offense? Well, the dictionary says annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself. The word offended in the Greek is scandalizo. Scandal. Scandalizo. It's where we get the word scandal from. And how many scandals in history have come from a person's offense? 
And the word can also be translated as stumbling block. You think about even in world history, significant events that have happened because of an offense with a particular people group. In our own country. A people that are different. But it causes something in a person to say, well, you're different and it's not okay that you're different. So I need to do something to crush your difference and either make you the same or remove you completely. It's called genocide at a large scale. But do you see how its offense is is tied into that? So is being offended a sin? I, I couldn't say yes because Jesus doesn't say that it is, but it opens the doorway to sin. Offense is a doorway to a multitude of sins. Offense is like a warning light that points to a deeper issue in our heart, not in the other person's heart. And pride is usually the seedbed for offense. It's often pride that suffers offense most easily. Pride leads us to expect more than we deserve. Pride is a form of self-worship and God must destroy our pride and to do so he will allow offenses to expose what we lack in humility. It's not wrong to expect encouragement for our good works but we cannot be offended when it doesn't happen in the timing that we're expecting. So pride is often then rooted in that, well why am I getting offended by this person's behavior because it's stirring up my pride. I want to be the kind of person that, regardless of how you behave, I'm free. If you're mean to me, I can love you. You know, Jesus says, love your enemies. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have an unoffendable heart. Because if they're your enemy, it means they're doing things even actively against you. And it might wound you, it might hurt for you, it might be painful, all of those things. It doesn't remove your emotions. But it says, but how am I going to respond to this person? And the only way to truly respond in love is to be unoffendable. For that negativity to not find root in my heart. And if we look at the life of Jesus, he had an unoffendable heart. The kind of people that he hung around. Now, he got got annoyed. He got angry even. He was frustrated with the religious leaders and how they were distorting things. He got upset, okay? But he got upset righteously because he didn't have offense in his heart. So people can say, oh, well, well I get angry and it's righteous anger because Jesus got angry. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you might have righteous anger happening in your life. But I'd say unless your heart is completely pure and clean and restored and free from offense, then I would just question as to whether it's actually fully righteous anger. Maybe it's just anger and you've attached righteousness to it to justify the fact that you're angry. But maybe there's something else. Maybe it's actually just, well, their unrighteous behavior offends me, so I get angry and I'm going to do something about it. So I'm going to control or crush or yell and manipulate and use my body language and the tone of my voice to squash that person because they are wrong and they need to know that they're wrong. And all of a sudden, I'm the one that's wrong because I'm controlling and manipulating and offended. And holy moly, the tables have turned. Luke 23, 34. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided his clothes and cast lots. Oh, thanks, guys. Jesus was mocked and ridiculed and tortured and beaten. The crown of thorns on his head was mocking. The, you know, his, as his back is torn apart with the, with the whips, then he, the, the purple robe being placed upon him, mocking him, spitting on him, tearing out his beard, slapping him in the face. All of the offensive things that you could do to a Jewish person. And then ultimately hung naked on the cross in public in front of everybody. The cross was incredibly humiliating for a person. The worst way to die in terms of pain, but the most humiliating way to die. And what is Jesus' response to all of that torment up until the point that he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They, they actually don't know what they're doing. Not, Father, smite them, O mighty smiter. You know, crush them, Lord. Let fire fall down and, and consume them. No, Father, forgive them. Jesus kept silent throughout that time because he didn't need to respond to their slander. 
He can look at Jesus and think, Jesus, surely, mate, just say something. But he didn't, do you see how he didn't need to? All of their foolishness that was causing them to behave the way that they did towards him, their ignorance in not knowing who he was. So he's like, there's a compassion that's happening there with Jesus. He's like, these people have no idea what they're doing. If they knew who I was, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And oftentimes when people behave unrighteously towards us, it's like they actually have no idea that there's pain and wounding in their heart that's causing them to behave unrighteously towards us. But if I get offended by someone's behavior, then it robs me of that ability to love and to have compassion. Jesus knew who he was, so he didn't need to stand up for himself. You know, sometimes we can hear maybe someone's been, you know, slandering us behind our back. And we feel, well, I'm going to go talk to that person. Tell me you can't say that. Or I'm going to, you know, talk to the person who told me about it and tell them, well, they're this and that or whatever. It's like, I don't need to say anything. Because what they're saying is not true. It's not who I am. My identity is rooted in Jesus. So who cares? I know for me, I was sharing with someone the other day. If I hear that someone's offended with me, if I've done something that I know is wrong, then I'm like, well, okay, well, I want to find out and say, hey, I'm really sorry that what I did caused you pain or wounded you or whatever. But if I just hear, oh, yeah, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and they were really annoyed at what you preached the other day and all that sort of stuff, I'm like, man, I feel really sorry for that person because they're bound in offense and they've made judgments against me. And so God is going to judge them. Now, I'm not like, oh, God is going to judge them. I'm like, wow, I don't... What a horrible place to be in, to be opposed by God. So I hear, because I hear, you know, when you're, when you're kind of public in a community more, you just, you know, the target on your back is a little bit bigger and, and people maybe, you know, righteously, well, this is not okay and this has how it needs to be and they should do more of this and why can't they be a little bit more like this and, you know, yada, 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 all of that sort of stuff. But it's not like, but you know what? Your, your offendability isn't my responsibility. My offendability isn't your responsibility. It's my responsibility. So if I'm getting offended with people, I'm responsible for that. If you're getting offended with, with people, you're responsible for that. Now, if something happens, because this is what happens as well. When we get offended, we disconnect relationally from that person. And we stand in judgment against them. And so it actually disables us. That's why you can hear sometimes people, they're like, they have an issue with you. I'm like, why didn't they come and talk to me? That's so weird. Like, surely if, you are, if you're right and I'm wrong, surely you would want me to know for my own benefit because you love me. Surely you'd want me to know so that I don't do it again to hurt people. Like, surely that's the best pathway forward is to remove the thing that's causing the problem. But it doesn't happen because offense binds us and blinds us. Jesus was mocked and tortured and humiliated, but there was no sin in him to be aroused by other people's sinful behavior. And if anyone had the right to be offended, it was Jesus. He was perfect. If anyone had the right to be offended in all of history, it was Jesus, and yet he chose not to be. Not only was he not offended, but even in the middle of that whole scenario, he was free to bless. He was free to forgive. He was stirred with compassion, even to those who were cursing him. Matthew eleven six, Jesus replies to them, Go report to John what you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, those with skin disease are healed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And if anyone is not offended because of me, he is blessed. Amen. So what can cause offense? Well, it can be someone's bad behavior towards us. It can be our interpretation of someone's bad behavior towards us. The amount of offense that happens out of a misinterpretation of behavior. It's called marriage often. If you're not married yet, you're preparing to be just, you know, miscommunication where the heart's intent is judged based upon the behavior of the person. And sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, in chatting with people this week and I've seen how, you know, relationally sometimes we behave in a particular way and we're like, my heart is for this good thing, but the, the way that I'm behaving, the way that I'm sharing that, the, what I'm doing is actually causing the opposite outcome there. So there's a perception that comes in. 
And if we are offendable, then we are open for someone's, for that misinterpretation of someone's behavior for offense to come. It can be when someone says something that we don't agree with or we don't want to hear, but ultimately all offense is rooted in our own hearts and is simply drawn out by the behavior of others. So if Ali says, Brad, I'm offended by you. Oh, sorry, Ali, for drawing that offense out of your heart. I apologize. That's like that in a mocking way, but you know what I mean. It's like that's actually what's happened there. Is that, Brad, I've got a button in my heart, and when you behave like that, it pushes my buttons. And on that button is a big red button, and written across that button is offendability. I'm offendable for maybe a whole multitude of reasons, because I'm insecure, because I'm self-righteous, because whatever it might be, whatever sin there is, but when you do that, it pushes that button and I want to respond unrighteously towards you. Now, I've told this story to, a, to, a, to many of you maybe. Um, it was probably, it was about almost a year ago and I was uh, driving home and uh, came up to a set of traffic lights. It was red going forward, green going left and there was two cars in front of me and there, and there was roadworks on the left-hand side. Now, there was plenty of space for this car to kind of squeeze through and go around, turn around the corner on the left green arrow, okay? Now, in my mind, it was very, very clear. There was plenty of space, okay? So I'm sitting there. I I was in a rush to get back home, getting frustrated, so I just give my horn a little beep. Friendly toot. Hey, just letting you know, clearly you've misjudged the size of your car. Uh, And actually, just letting you know, you're completely free to go through God bless you and be on your way. So I did that and there was a road worker standing, you know, right at the front of my car and he turns and he's like, hey, stop that. And so, I, you know, my window's out. She's like, there's plenty of space for her to go through. And he's, doesn't matter. Just, you know, settle down, something like that. So, so I settle down on the outside and I sit quietly. My son was in the car as well. So um, it was beneficial probably. Um, so what happens is then eventually the forward uh, light goes green, cars go, and I'm driving off around the corner. So I'm, psh, forget about it, whatever. 30 seconds later, all of a sudden, this scenario starts to play in my mind. And I'm processing, hmm, you know what I should have done? I should have just like beeped the horn like that. Should have just go, bah, and just look straight ahead. Bah, and it would have been really loud for that road worker guy and I just would have annoyed him or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, what am I thinking? Whatever, just move on. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Stop thinking about it. 30 seconds later, pops back into my head. You know what? If I like carried like a baseball bat in the boot of my car, <laughs> this is all hypothetical, but you know, I'm just fantasizing that I come around, just hop out the car, don't say anything, walk around the boot, pull out the baseball bat. Well, you got something to say. Did you have something to say? You know, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. I don't see anyone else here. You know, like just, you know, thing. I'm like, what am I doing now? You know, it's, it's gone from just, you know, not being an issue to now, you know, becoming a little bit more of an issue. So I catch myself. Brad, you're being silly. Just stop thinking about it. Keep on driving. 30 seconds later, then I'm imagining, what if I had a gun? Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to pull out the gun. I could just have it, you know, down the front like a gangster. Just lift up my shirt. Just show them. Sorry, were you talking to me? Were you telling, you, did you, you know? And they would have been petrified and like, you know. So again, I've gone from it's not been an issue to now I'm like homicidal maniac, you know, wanting to kill this guy. And I'm like, what is, what is going on here? And so I ask God, God, what is going on? And it's like, well, that... That offended me. There was offense that happened in that scenario. And how often have we done that where it's like the situation, we just, okay, I'll just say nothing and then move on. Then later, I'm like, oh, just dwelling on that thing and festering and, oh, yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, next time I have, I'm going to say that. I'm going to get in their face. I'm going to do this and, you know, I'm going to get really aggressive. Or, you know what? I'm just going to cut them off. Yeah. Yeah. Next time they ask me for a coffee with one sugar, I'm going to give them none. You know, (laughs) see how you like that, you know? So I'm going through this process and I'm, I'm recognizing, God, what is going on? What happened in that situation that caused that? Because there was like a tension in my heart. There's like, this, like an, it's this weird feeling. There's like an internal tension. I need to resolve this feeling that's going on. And the way that I was resolving it was fantasizing about hurting that person. Okay, But I said, well, God, what's going on in my heart? And it's like that person, that man embarrassed you. That's how you felt. You felt embarrassed. And you know what? He was right because you were being impatient. 
He was right to tell you off. But it made you feel embarrassed. God, why would I be embarrassed by what even this road worker would think of me? It's like, because I'm maybe a bit insecure. So what's really going on in that whole scenario is Brad's insecure. Brad can get embarrassed by someone. Brad's impatient. Brad, 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 Brad. Not the road worker dude. Not the person who can't drive properly. None of that stuff. It's all me. It was me that chose to be impatient. It was me that, you know, I chose how I responded to all of those different parts along the line. So the way that offense works often is that someone does something we don't like and that action or those words find a wound in our heart and they provoke it. They provoke that insecurity. They'll provoke that pride. And we are unaware of the wound, but we experience the pain of that. So we experience that tension internally. This is just, oh, they're doing it again. They said it again. I can't believe this, you know. And we, you know, and we do. We either act, we act aggressively on the outside or we act aggressively on the inside. So that's what I was doing. I could have been the kind of person that in that scenario with the road worker where I actually literally got out of the car and started, you know, having fisticuffs with him. I could have responded like that. But... I didn't. I've, it was much safer to do it in my mind. So I chose that. Uh, he was a big guy. But, um, so we're often we're unaware of why I'm being affected. But it's poking something. It's stirring something in me. So instead of recognizing my own pain and seeking healing, I look for someone else to blame for causing the pain. Well, you made me angry. Well, if someone can make you angry, it means they're in control of you. I talk, Kevin and I caught up the other night. We'll talk about that. Use it with your students in your class, you know. The kid comes, well, this, this kid did this to me. It's like, well, are they your boss? Well, no. Well, why are you acting, you know, subordinate to them? You're saying your, your behavior, your response is dependent upon somebody else. It's like people can't make you angry. People can do things and you can choose to respond in anger. Anger is always your problem. Anger is always my problem. Can you see how all of a sudden life starts to kind of shift its focus and attention internally into me? Because I can be around people. I've even had times where someone's behaved and maybe been offensive towards me and I've actually had to have someone else come up and say, Brad, did you realize that was a little dishonoring of what that person said? I was like, I didn't even realize. You probably need to talk to them. Okay, I'll go talk to them. Hey, Apparently, what you did before was, was a, a little bit um, dishonoring of me in what you said publicly. And they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. You know? But you know, for me, like I've caught, had times in the other way where sometimes people have to kind of point out, that probably wasn't right. But we're, we're in, we are responsible for our responses. Response-able, that's what it means. So we, we blame somebody else. We become offended at the other person. And if the offense isn't dealt with, it opens up the door to greater sin in our heart and our behavior. This is what racism is rooted in. It's the color of that person's skin offends me in some way. And now I might be able to, uh, you know, to justify that offense with, and it's because of this and that and whatever. But ultimately, it's because I'm an, I'm an offendable person. My heart has not been formed fully into the likeness of Jesus, so I get offended with people. So what are some of the negative fruit of offense? Well, it stirs up bitterness and anger, disconnection, gossip and slander, hatred, the desire for revenge. Because when offense isn't dealt with, it gets worse and worse. It just creates this kind of festering sore in your heart. It just gets worse and worse and it gets fed more and more and more. People can go through life so offended, so offendable. Anything and everything. They'll find something to be offended about. Because that way it's going to quell the tension in my heart. It's going to quell that discomfort that I have. Because maybe I'm not willing to look at my heart or I don't even know that I'm the problem. You know, when people go from church to church to church, oh, and this church and that's there, and they offended me, and they didn't let me do this, and then I wasn't allowed to do this, and then they made me do this, and they said this, and I w- so I left there and went to this next church. Same thing happened, and blah, blah, blah. And then the next church, same thing happened. But, but now I'm here, Brad. And I was like, oh, great, awesome. Guess what's going to happen? Same thing is going to happen. 
And I can love you and be super loving and generous and kind words and all that sort of stuff. But there will be something that I will do that if your heart is offendable, it will offend you. I guarantee it. It might take a while, but we'll get there. We will arrive at the place where your offendable heart gets offended. Offense leads to bitterness, which is like cancer to the soul. I've got this. The fruit of murder is contained in the seed of offense. The fruit of murder is contained in the seed of offense. You know, there'd be people in prison today for murder. And the only difference between them and and someone else who's not in prison is that they acted upon their heart's desire. That's why Jesus judges the heart. That's what it says, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. God is concerned about your heart because that's where all of that stuff happens. Jesus says, you know, if you commit adultery in your heart, it's exactly the same as doing it physically in the natural. Exactly, there's no difference. If you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, it's as good as murdering them because it's all in your heart. You just don't have the guts to do it. It's not a challenge to you. But you might have a moral framework that says, I feel like hurting that person, but I know it's not right, so I won't. Actually, I'll do it in my mind. There we go. Because that's a safe place. And yet God sees it. And it matters to him. Because you're not free. Offense blinds us from seeing the truth. Our ability to be offended is inversely proportional to our ability to receive truth. So the more offended we are or we get, the less our ability is to receive truth. So in relationship with others, if we are easily offended, it can shut down our ability to receive truth. So an example would be if someone was to raise a character issue with you and your response is to take offense, it doesn't allow you to engage with that person and what they're trying to communicate to you. Your offense becomes the focus rather than on the truth that may be contained in what the other person is trying to share. I've had that before. It's like someone's pulled me up on something. I'm like, I hate that you pull me up on that, you know? Especially when it comes to like marriage stuff sometimes because, you know, you you battle and you wrestle and there's an issue and it's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right here. Pretty sure I'm right. No, I'm pretty sure you're wrong and I'm right. And we've, we've gone over and over again. I've processed it. Or pretty sure I'm right. And then someone comes along and says, Brad, I don't think there's actually maybe something wrong in you. And they point it out in a way, articulate it, not just like you're wrong, but like, and, and this is kind of why I'm like, oh, I hate that, but I love it if I'm not offended. See, if I'm offended, it was like, well, what would you know? And, you know, you, you're not in this scenario, or you don't have this, you don't have three kids, or you don't, you don't have a stressful job, or you don't have what, what, whatever it might be. It's like, actually, no, I don't like that you're saying that to me. But if I, I'm not offended with you so I can actually receive what you're saying. Even if you may be not saying it in the nicest of ways, what's coming through is truth because I'm not blinded to truth because there's not offense in my heart. Uh, this is from a, an article uh, from a group called Patheos that says, Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Second Timothy 4.2. Two. He didn't say exhort, exhort, exhort. So he didn't just say don't just encourage, but sometimes you've got to bring correction. You've got to bring rebuke to people. And certainly we need to be encouraged, but there are also times when we need to be reproved or rebuked, rebuked <laughs> corrected. Today, there are preachers who are afraid to preach truth for fear that people will react and leave the church. The end result is the church of easily offended people who cannot grow beyond their inability to accept correction. Hmm. People leave churches all the time because of offense. Now, I'm not saying, I'm sure there's justifiable reasons where somebody is behaving in a way that is unrighteous and ungodly and it's a boundary to say, I'm actually not going to stay in this environment because it's toxic and this is not good to be in that place. But how many people do you think have left churches because of offense? Multitudes. 
And this one, when I spoke last week, I'm like, and that, that burdens me because the bride is wounding the bride. And that's, there's a problem there. Okay. But how much of it is rooted in this kind of stuff, hard things that we're not willing to, to confront. So then what we do is we'll, we'll just make the most palatable church environment we can. We won't say anything that's offensive because we want people to come. We don't want them to leave. We want them to come. We want our church to grow. So we'll find ways not to offend people. So that's, don't, don't speak in tongues loudly. Don't pray in tongues. Keep it to your closet. You know? Don't, why are you worshipping for 45 minutes? That's going to offend some people who don't like worship. Brad, why are you preaching such hard things? Like it's going to offend people. They're going to leave. And man, you're, you're not using five senses coffee anymore. Why do you go into this Audi stuff? That, that offends me. I'm, you know, like. Now, we don't want to be offensive and act in those ways. That's ungodly and unloving. But we can't be controlled by other people's offense. What, it's just it would it's it's just impossible to do. It's impossible to manage someone's offendability because you're trying to manage their immaturity. Offense prevents us from asking deeper questions about the state of our own heart. So if we say, I'm offended, well why are you offended? Question number one, if you feel offended by something, question number one is not, what are they doing that offends me? It's, why am I being offended? Why am I offended by that person's behavior? And if you ask God and you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, he'll give you an answer. And I guarantee it'll be because it's in your heart. There's something there that's causing you to respond that way. Now, again, I'm not saying about like someone's, you know, being an idiot and it's like it's just really annoying or whatever. But there's other there's righteous responses to to other people's unrighteous behaviour. So offence can often be people's defence. So offence can be a protective function to avoid the pain and brokenness in our hearts. Offence in our hearts builds offence in our hearts. We protect ourselves from others and the pain that they cause, even though offence is equally, if not more, painful than destructive. The problem is that the fence that we build to keep the bad out also keeps the bad in. Our brokenness stays broken. We stay in captivity and we partner with the enemy to bring greater death and destruction to ourselves. You see people and they're just a bit kind of angry or offended at everything and they're this, that and whatever. It's like, for me, I'm like, you're broken. Clearly, that is just the tool that you're using to protect yourself because to let people in, to even look at your own heart is such a scary thing to do. And maybe it's, and often for people, it's their whole life, is, it hasn't been safe for my heart to be open, to be vulnerable about those things. When you get in there, when someone has, you know, rejection issues or an offendable heart, it's kind of like you can only ever get so close to them. They'll only ever let people, because there's an, an inability to fully open themselves up. Offense creates an environment in our heart that cultivates hypothetical lies. So if we get offended by someone's behavioral words, from that point on, if the offense isn't de- dealt with, we start to interpret all of that person's behavior through the lens of that offense. Over time, we build a case against them. Small things that wouldn't normally bother us about the person or that may annoy us, but we would get over it quickly. They get grouped together and they feed into the offense in our hearts. We can then start to increasingly justify our offense because the evidence against the other person is overwhelming. Even things that they may be doing that have no bad intent will be interpreted by the offended person in a negative way. Have you seen sometimes like, the way someone chews can offend you. You know? Like surely there is no kind of objective, moral kind of um, outline in the scriptures about the way to chew food. But you can get offended by that. But the thing is, if I have offense in my heart, if I'm offendable and then I have offense because something that somebody did that stirred up something in me, I stay blind, then I start to look at everything they do. Oh, the person, everything about them just annoys me. Okay, well, maybe they're really, really super annoying. That's possible. But the chances are that the reason why you find now everything about them, seeing they did this and they did that. And it's not when we talk to someone else like, well, 
I was there and I heard what they said and I got nothing of what you were, what you were saying. But offense causes that, yeah? We create hypothetical lies. There's more, don't worry. I'll finish it. Offense robs people and relationships of freedom. An offendable heart is always waiting for its next person to devour. Jesus. If I'm free and you are offendable, my freedom will eventually stir up offense in your heart. Offendable people create an atmosphere of insecurity around them. Those around them start to behave without freedom in the relationship because they are afraid of the consequences of the offendable person. I I feel like I can't be me. I can't share my heart. I can't talk to this person about what's going on in their life because I'm actually, I'm concerned about how they'll respond to that. Offendable people are tiring to be in relationship with because a lot of energy ends up being expended managing their offendability. To live in freedom is your inheritance in Christ, but we must be healed from our offendability to enter into that freedom. If I'm offendable, it means that others have the ability to control my response in a situation which is a form of self-induced bondage. So I can feel like everyone's doing everything that's making me feel this way. No, it's actually, I'm locking myself in prison and it's a self-induced bondage that I'm putting myself in because I'm not actually dealing with my own heart. Offense can often be the result of miscommunication or misreading the situation. The number of times I've been offended by someone and it turned out that I totally misread the situation. Text messages are really great for causing that, yeah? How dare they say that to me? But you know, have you ever done that? And then you show someone else and like, what? They said that. Well, I guess you could interpret it that way, but you know. That's why if you have an issue with someone, please don't text them. Don't even call them best face-to-face. Because we, we see emotive responses. We engage with the person. They're not someone that we're there to attack. We're someone that we're there to connect with. Offense often causes us to act unrighteously. I've seen relationships where the initial act that caused the offense was completely outweighed by the responding sinful behavior of the one that was offended. Offense takes the other person's sin, invests it, gets a good return on their investment, and then gives it back to the other person. Regardless of someone's behavior, if you respond with offense, we have opened the door to engaging with sinful thoughts and behavior. As I said before, my offendability is my responsibility. If I'm offendable, then someone else is in control of my behavior and my responses, which means I'm irresponsible. I'm no longer responsible. I'm not able to respond righteously to this situation, but I'm saying, no, no, other people control my emotions. That person made me angry. That person made me sad. That person offended me. When this happened, I felt this way. It's like, who's in control of you? Seems like everybody else. You've delegated the responsibility of your heart to, to other people. You're not supposed to do that. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. I'm in control of me. You're in control of you. If I try and control you, I'm behaving in an ungodly way. If you try and control me, it's called witchcraft. Now, you know, you're behaving in an ungodly way. So we say, you're responsible for you, I'm responsible for me. You can behave however you want. Now, I can put a relational boundary down and say, I'm, I'm not okay with the way that you're treating me, so I'm not going to disconnect my heart from you, but I'm going to step over here and let you be you, and I'm going to be me. In order to ultimately protect this relationship, I'm, I'm not going to become a slave to your ungodly behavior towards me. That's one way to do it. But when offense comes in, then it just becomes a battle, and I enter into that ungodly behavior. Offense is not your friend. 
Some people have become very acquainted with offense. And offense ends up ruling their life. They go from broken relationship to broken relationship and it's always the other person's fault. Blame and offense usually go hand in hand. It's always someone's fault that I'm offended. And we think that if only the other person hadn't behaved in a particular way, then I wouldn't be offended. But the problem is that our offendability was there all along. People use offense to hide from the brokenness in their hearts. It's easier to make someone else responsible for my pain because then I don't have to go through the pain of the healing journey. There's often a partnership between offense and unforgiveness. Often offense and unforgiveness go hand in hand and judgment as well. Judgment's a huge one. But the offense stops us from being able to truly forgive because to do so would mean that we'd have to let go of our offense. Sometimes we can say the words of forgiveness, but because we have allowed offense to take root in our hearts, the forgiveness isn't genuine. And so all of the negative feelings remain in our heart. No matter how many times we forgive, the negative feelings remain because the offense remains. But when we deal with our offendable heart, we are able to freely and fully forgive others and journey towards reconciliation. Offense needs a landing strip in your heart. (laughs) If offense doesn't have a place to land, then it'll fly right past us. If I don't have insecurity in my heart, because my security is in the right thing in Jesus, then I remove a landing strip for offense in my heart. If I'm walking in humility and not pride, I remove another landing strip for offense. So the more that God's healing me, the more that God's restoring me, the more that God's moving me out of unrighteousness into righteousness, the less that you know, when that offense is kind of flying around, it's coming at me from people, it can't find a place to land in me. You're free, even in this community, you're, you're free to be offensive here. But I'm free to not be offended by you. Because you know, there's even people that use offensiveness as a weapon to control and manipulate. And often then if we have that offendability and we've got now like a, a root of a heart of rejection and all of these and deep insecurity, I might even behave in ways that will cause you to be offensive towards me so that I can justify my pain. We even defile relationships in that way. Because I'm only safe when people when I'm offended with people and when people are being perceived to be offensive towards me. So the more we become like Jesus, the more unoffendable our hearts become. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Search my heart. See if there's anything offensive in me and then lead me into the everlasting way. So you've got the offensive way or the everlasting way. That's the choices that God is giving us. So if someone dishonors me, it's only my insecurity that would allow offense to be stirred up in my heart. Their words and actions may be sinful and hurtful, but I have a choice in how I respond to their behavior. You know, for me, sometimes I just let it go. If someone's behaving in an offensive way towards me, I might not even say anything. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure that they're even ready to receive that. You know, sometimes there can be that sense of like, well, I've got to go and talk to them and tell them that it's wrong. You know, and we, and we miss God's timing in that. Someone might be so broken, but it's, it's not the season for harvest. So you could say, well, that's, that's unrighteous in their behavior, so I'm going to go and talk to them now about that. And God's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not talking to them about that now. I'm just tilling the soil. <laughs> You're trying to harvest the grain. I haven't even planted the seeds. But if we're unoffendable, then it's like, actually, you're free to go and be a a nugget, you know? Like, you're free to go and do that. Go and do that. But there might be a time where the Lord will use me to speak that truth into your heart. But it might be that, hey, you know what? Because I don't have an offendable heart, I can build trust with you. And I can journey with you. And hey, you can behave in ways that if I had an offendable heart, I'd get offended, but I'm not. Because you're just you, and you're broken, and you're wounded. So you're saying those things, you don't know what you're doing. And I can pray over and over, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't see how broken they are, God, but I see it, Lord, and you see it. So, Father, how can we partner together to bring life and healing and restoration to this person? 
Because if I'm offendable, what happens? This person comes in seeking healing and restoration and they get more offense and more rejection. They get what they're looking for. But God wants to give people something different than they're looking for. And that's freedom and healing and restoration. That means we have to take up our cross and carry it for the sake of the other person's sin. This is the way of Jesus. That's what he did. He wasn't crucified for any of his sin. He laid down his life for the sake of others. So what do we need to do when we get offended? First step, invite Holy Spirit to search our hearts and to reveal the root of offense in us. And if there's sin, confess the sin of offense to God, confess the associated sin, and if appropriate, to the person that you're offended with. If you catch it quick enough before you sin, then just deal with God. So you might have someone does something, go, Ooh, doing something in my heart, doing something in my heart, what is it, God, what is it, Holy Spirit, what is that? Oh, I'm insecure. And they're getting promoted and I'm still in the same place. Oh, thank you, Father. Deal with my heart, Lord. Heal my heart, God. Wow, they're, you know, they're getting blessed and I feel like I'm in, in dryness. You know, streams of water over there, desert over here. That's what's really offending me, God. They're not proud. They're just celebrating you. But Father, deal with my heart. And I just thank you and I can pray into them to the promises, but I can process my heart. Go to the person and communicate what God reveals to you. This is the Matthew 18 principle. This is really, really important principle. That if somebody has, if you have an issue with someone, go and talk to that person. Jesus does not give you the right to talk to anybody else apart from that person. He doesn't even go, don't, he doesn't say go and seek wise counsel with 10 of your friends over a meal, you know. Ask them all, hey, this person did this and it really offended me. What do you think? Well, yeah, if they did that to me, I would be offended too. And it would hurt me and I'd be angry. Yeah, you should go and tell them what for. And yet, that's, they've just interpreted that person's behavior and now they bring it to a group. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, you got an issue with someone, go and talk to that person. Now, if you talk to that person, they don't listen, you can't get anywhere, then go along and grab another couple of faithful, not teammates, another couple of people that you know will challenge you as much as they'll challenge that person about what's going on. Bring, hey, and you tell the person that you talk to, hey, I feel like we're not getting anywhere in this. Can I, can I invite some other people into the conversation? Yes, you can. Okay, we'll do that. We bring them in. Still can't reconcile, then you bring it to the leadership of the church. Still can't reconcile, you give them the boot. Um, hopefully, we don't get to that place. But that's the process, Okay. I hear sometimes from people, oh, Brad, I was talking to this person and that, yeah, they just got really offended by, by kind of what you said. So I say, what did you say to them? Well, I said that I'll talk to you. Well, why didn't you tell them to come and talk to me? I just, can, can I please encourage you to create as, a, as a, a natural response in your life that if someone tells you something that they don't like about somebody else, your automatic response is, please don't say anymore. Have you spoken to that person? And if the answer is no, then please don't talk to me about it because I don't want to partner with the enemy in bringing death and destruction to that person. That's what it is. That's how division starts. That's how churches split apart. One person with offense that doesn't take the right godly channels to deal with that. And they talk to everybody else about from the person they have an issue with. Because actually they don't want to deal with the issue. They just want to justify the pain in their heart and the offense in their heart. And they want, well, if I get a few other people on board, then it feels like I'm not so alone in this. But the problem is all of the stuff that you've stirred up is the same lie that potentially you're believing because you've been offended and you're blind to your own brokenness and sin. So now you've created this whole massive scenario about something that didn't even exist in the first place. And sometimes someone can behave in a way that makes you feel, just say it makes you feel really insecure. Now it's okay for you to go to that person and say, hey, when when you did that, this is how I felt 
and you, it wasn't your intent. This is how it made me feel. But I'm asking you, can you help to manage my sin and my brokenness by maybe not speaking to me in that way? Because I recognize you weren't in any sin in what you said or, or what you did. But because of my own brokenness and the healing journey that I'm on, it makes it hard when you behave like, can you partner with me to help me so that I can be healed? And you would hope the person would say, yeah, no, it's totally, I get that. I get that if I, if I use those words or I behave in that particular, I can see how that might make you feel insecure or might stir up a wound or whatever it might be. But you see how we can, even if someone, if I'm acknowledging my heart, then I can invite other people and even the person that might be doing something that's hurting me and say, can you help me to deal with me? I'm not asking you to change because I'm the problem. I'm the one that needs to change, but I know that change might take some time. You can live free from offense. You can live free from offense. Do you believe me? Okay, hallelujah. So some tips. Catch the seed before it takes root. Repent quickly. Take it before God. Someone does something, you feel that stir up inside of you, the potential of offenses, take it to God. God, what is wrong with my heart? Not God, what is wrong with that person? God, what is wrong with my heart, Lord? Deal with our own heart before judging another person's behavior. The Bible says, bless those who curse you. Love your enemy. Bless those who offend you. So when it's like, God, this happened and, and they were behaving in unrighteous ways, Father, I just pray you bless them. Man, I want to tell you, when you can freely and truly bless your enemies, there is such beautiful power in that there is such freedom it's like that feels so amazing not like bless them god bless them with your mighty right hand you know with the right hand of fellowship but to genuinely do that that means that nobody in your life can control your emotional responses who wants to be free like that well i get to choose how i respond oh look we can people are going to do something that's going to hurt you but god's going to heal you deal with our own heart. Bless those who curse us. Don't play the game, the blame game. You are the only person that is responsible for your sin. No one can make you sin. You choose how you respond to another person's behavior. Take responsibility for your responses. You know, that saying, you know, they did this and I really lost my temper. It's like, no, you found it. <laughs> it's been residing in your heart the whole time. And because of offense, now it's got an outlet. That's a freebie for you. And finally, build your identity on who God says that you are. The more that we come to understand the truth of who we are in Christ, not just our Christ identity, but who God views us as, how he views us as sons, how he blesses us and loves us, then the less we will be offended by the words and actions of others. God wants to set your heart free from the bondage of offendability. Don't make it your friend. Come out of partnership with offense. And we're going to pray right now for God to do that, if you so desire, if you're not too offended by what I've said to, uh, to receive prayer. <clears throat> thank you, Father. Why don't you stand? Father God, we, we thank you, Jesus, that you came to set us free and you were truly free. So the life that we now live, we live by faith in you, God. You've set us free, Lord, from the bondage of sin. But God, the enemy can trap us into believing that those old ways are somehow beneficial to us, Father. So I just thank you, God, that you desire us to be free from offendability, Lord. That you want our hearts to be so whole and so healed, God, that we're no longer controlled by other people's behavior. Like, like you, Jesus, that even if it came to the place where we were to be crucified on a cross in front of those who are mocking us, we could say, bless them, Father for they don't know what they're doing, Lord. That we can have compassion on those who are wounded and treating us poorly, God. And I thank you, Father, that we don't become doormats, Lord. We're not here to be doormats for people to trample upon, God. We have self-worth, Lord, and we can put boundaries down, Lord. But, Father, let us not be a people that, that respond out of offense, God. Thank you, Father. I just even thank you, Lord, that... When you said to me that, you know, uh, 
When we put a boundary on ourselves, that's okay. When we put boundaries on other people, that's a bondage, Lord. And you don't want us even to control other people to try and manipulate their behavior so that they would stop doing things that we don't like. But that our hearts would be free. That our hearts would be free. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just pour in Holy Spirit by your grace, Lord, into those areas of our heart, Father, where we've built our security on the wrong things, God. Where our security hasn't been built in you, Father. Where there is wounding, Lord. Where there is wounds of rejection, Father. Where there is deep unmet need, God. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you know individually and personally for each person here, Lord. What their needs are, God, those areas of healing, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would journey with others through that, God. That as you take us on the heart journey, the healing journey, the restoration journey, Lord, that we would have a grace and a mercy and a peace amongst one another, Lord. But God, I pray that you would crush offendability, Lord, that you would crush that spirit of offense, Lord, even as the enemy would come in, Father, in any way that we have partnered, Lord, with any offensive spirit, Lord. We just pray, God, we would come out of agreement right now in Jesus' name. We say, Father, forgive us, Lord, for the offense in our heart that we have towards you, God, towards other people, Lord, towards your bride, the bride of Christ, Father. Deal with our offendable hearts, Lord, so that we can be free to truly live the life that Jesus has for us, to truly live in freedom and fullness and love, God. Father, that bondage of offense, Lord, that we break in Jesus' name. We break right now in Jesus' name the power we renounce and we come out of agreement with all offense in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.